0: So, this is the podcast straight after Manchester United lost to Liverpool. So, uh, once again, it's just Salim and I. So, Salim is here to kind of just kind of question Manchester United's uh, approach and kind of like we've both been doing really over the last year or so, kind of, kind of questioning why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is still the man for Manchester United. And you, you, kind of, you kind of think, and with everyone that said everything over the last couple of days, it's still in a job at the time of recording. You're kind of thinking... Why is he still in a job? Like Realistically speaking, if it was any other manager, David Moyes, Lou van Howell, Jose Mourinho losing 5-0 to Man United. No, for Man United losing to Liverpool, sorry. Yeah. They'd be out of the job the next day. But clearly Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has something on the Glazers or something on Ed Woodward or just being in the favour of Sir Alex Ferguson. That has really kept him in the job and it's kind of becoming a bit more toxic for Manchester United fans seeing someone like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer stay in a job longer than he should be going. But... Everyone, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening. And hopefully, we'll give you an insight of our insight, really, of what we think about Oligona, Solskjaer, Manchester United, and um, the Premier League games coming up as well. But, Salem, your th- first thoughts on the Man United versus Liverpool game and Oligona, Solskjaer in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the game and um, I sort of, um, to be honest, all the United fans I spoke to before the game, I tried to give some hope to them, saying that anything can happen in like a derby game and form goes out the window. But, you know, United just didn't turn up. There was that chance for Bruno at the start, which he really should have taken, but he sort of scuffed his lines. Other than that, I don't even think Liverpool played that well. Like, this is the thing that I've been telling people is that I don't think Liverpool were amazing. I don't think it was a 10 out of 10 performance for them. I don't think they even got out of second gear. It was just so easy. The defensive errors were just, you know, evident for everyone to see. Like the first goal, the second goal, just like Maguire stepping up for no reason and all sorts, really yeah
0: it's, it's quite worrying really and I've um, got Vish joining the podcast so uh, Vish you're on the uh, you're on the episode we're live we're recording how you doing Vish you okay? Hi
2: long time man long time How's yeah missed you. Um, missed you we like the background of well, one of us um, can you not see me because like I in. I'm doing I'm actually doing a sap right now I'm in a car uh, oh, nice. I'm in my own car I'm That's just cool. going to pick someone up and then I'm going out for some food so I'll just saw your message and quickly thought I'd come here for a quick minute and uh, say my thoughts on the current crisis at Man United. Um, I don't know if you guys were talking about that.
0: We were literally just talking about it now um Vish. So yeah, Um basically oh, okay. what I was going to allude to was the fact that you actually mentioned this a year ago when we started the podcast about Oli Lack lacking brain cells in, in certain things that he was doing and <laughs> There was Wahil on the podcast as well saying exactly the same thing and there's Arif on the other side back in Ole social saying, oh, it's still early days, this is second full season and we have to see where it goes. But from looking at what we've seen so far this season, it's been very hit and miss. It's been more missed than hits and it's more like um, we're just kind of worried for our future as Man United fans, wouldn't you say, Vish?
2: Yeah, I am. I am. It's a dire, dire time at the moment, um, especially... You know, after what happened on Sunday, um obviously we lost five nil, but you know, the Liverpool fans singing Ollie's at the wheel, I think that's the biggest embarrassment. Um, as a United fan. And it really hurts. And those fans that are backing him, like, I don't know what games they're watching because Arif. Yeah, Arif Arif especially. What what's that word? The Ollie sexual? Is that am I allowed to say that on here? But um Yeah, it's your
0: podcast, you can say what you need to say. I,
2: I don't know what games you guys watch because it's so frustrating. Like there's no style. There's no nothing, man. Like he's had like 37 odd months with this, with this team. And now this is his team. And you don't know what's going on. Like, it's just like, he, he, he just tells them go play football. And he lets them figure out for themselves. And I don't think they, they know what they're doing. Like, it's just pathetic. And, you know, all the pundits that have come out and said their things, the worst has been Gary Neville. Um, for saying that oh he scored that goal in 1999 um, yes he did score that goal in 1999 and yes he's got the respect for scoring that goal in 1999 because obviously that changed the history of our club but that's got nothing to do with you know why we should give him more time look at Chelsea Chelsea they were ruthless Lampard's a legend for them all time top goal scorer for Chelsea exactly and you know what they just cut it down and he says like go, go away now look at them champions of Europe killing it in the league. Like we need to be ruthless. And I don't know. I don't like reading the fake news uh, that goes around these days, but according to like the, the the news that I see on like Sky Sports and stuff, like apparently he's got three games. We need nine points out of them in three games. And not just nine points, we need a perfor- three performances, vital performances. This is uh, this is
0: where it gets worrying for me Vish and Salem. It's the fact that every time we've seen Oli on social with his back against the wall he always pulls out a performance. We saw it a lot last season. We saw it in the Europa League especially as well. And especially in these games in um, in the Premier League the season before as well. It, for me, I'm kind of looking at it thinking this is kind of Ollie's forte of the back against the wall. He can pull out these performances. And then what will happen is, oh yeah, the, the, the ball will be like, oh yeah, he's got it in him to back this team and to build a team further. We'll keep him in the job for the rest of the season. And for me as a Man United fan, I don't like seeing managers get sacked or former Man United players get sacked. But when you're looking at it, and how Vish has just described it is if we were to continue down this path for the next uh, couple of months, we're out the Champions League before maybe round of 16. Uh, FA Cup, we're not going to get to a final. And the league, um, for the first time in a while, I think we're going to finish outside the top four because you've got the likes of Leicester coming up, West Ham coming up, even Arsenal looking kind of back to playing a de- decent amount of football as well. But Vish, how do you kind of see it going with... Um, um, with the team realistically? Do you think he's actually going to change the team? Do you think he's actually going to um, uh, stick to his uh, tried and t- trusted? Tominay, Fred, Greenwood, Rashford, Maguire?
2: I think he's going to stick to what he trusts. Um, and what he trusts is just terrible. Um, he's going to stick to Scott and Fred um, in midfield. And, yeah, like, I just I just don't see any improvement happening. Um in the next three games if that's what the rumors are saying that he's got three games to prove himself um it's going to be pretty painful to watch i think um going on the performances that we've had recently
0: yeah i agree salem what do you have to say about that do you reckon it's going to be another full season of oligo and social
2: sorry to interrupt i've just got to go so it was just a flying visit but it's good to see you both and um yeah no can't see me. The background, obviously. The last time I was here, don't we you. were uh, Hall of Fame Year Five, um, and I don't think I've come back since uh, my team won. So yeah, as the picture says, arrive, win, leave. That's exactly what happened on August first. And uh, obviously, I'm surprised you
0: didn't come up with that background of you holding the trophy.
2: <laughs> you know what? I even, the thing is, I haven't even opened Zoom since then, so it's just crazy. But um, yeah, good to see you both. And yes, I'll see you on Friday at football, man. Nice to see that you're. Yeah, hopefully. Arriving. Cool, cool. <laughs> All right, take yeah, it
0: easy. Thanks for the cameo. All right,
2: in a bit, in a bit. Bye, bye, bye. bye.
0: bye. For the listeners, yeah, that I was, was... Really unexpected as well because like
1: you didn't even message or anything; you just joined the call. It was like, oh yeah, it's no, basically. that was good. But yeah, I was just gonna say like my views are pretty much the same. Like I've said it for a long time that there's no sort of substance or style like from this team, and they're not really a team; they're just a group of individuals, and you know, just hoping for someone to pull something out of the bag kind of thing. But it's only so often that, you know, that this can work and defence is awful, I've said it from before, you know, like the back four, Luke Shaw had a good season last year, but other than that, they they don't really look special, they've spent big money on the team as well, so you can't say there's been no investment, but any other manager in that situation, you know, loses his job, but the problem is you've got like fans like Arif, for example, that, you know, saying Harry Maguire's world-class and this and that, and Ollie's you know, at the wheel and stuff, and... Yeah, I mean, if it was Chelsea, for example, Oli would have lost his job probably two years ago or something. But here we are and there's all this talk about three games to save his job and this kind of thing. But I'm not like, you know, I've got no idea what's going to happen. I thought, I think Conte would be an amazing appointment for United. I think he'd really get something out of this team. It'd be like a really quick turnaround. Um, There's other names I've been touted too for the job, but we just need to see, obviously, wait and see what happens. There's a hard sort of run of games coming up. I, I used to say that Oli can pull one out of the bag when he's, you know, back against the wall kind of thing, but I don't, I still see it happening this time. I just think that he's run out of, you know, that sort of goodwill as well. Well, it's running out of his goodwill. You know, he's got Spurs, he's got Man City, and um, obviously a couple of tough Champions League games sandwiched in there too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to be honest, I, I said it from the start of the season that he wouldn't last, like he'll be gone by Christmas. So, I think my prediction's so sort of on on you know on, on point at the moment. But you never know if United Fergie might you know help him save his job kind of thing. I think he already
0: did. There was there was a, um, a report recently that oligono Gunnar Solskjaer was at Carrington on Monday with Sir Alex Ferguson, uh along with Richard Arnold, who's one of the members of the board, and Edward Wood was still there, and um, the Glazers were in the UAE because they're looking at buying an IPL team, but they were still in on the conversation. But it kind of feels like when your dad kind of has to back you up in a fight or something, and you ask your dad to be there as like your bodyguard um, coming through. And again, I don't want to talk about Man United like this, but objectively speaking, it's kind of like he, he needs someone to fight his battles for him and him for their for support. Because out of all the managers that we've had since Sir Alex Ferguson, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had probably the best amount of individual players in the team, spent the most amount of money, had probably the best amount of time, and had the best type of... Um, the quality to kind of play around as well which is great um but what um I just kind of want to hear what um this person has to say so we've got another cameo on the podcast today so once he's joined he's gonna be joining any moment now oh he just disconnected it was Arif but Arif was meant to connect or disconnect I, I admit is,
1: right? is he joining then or
0: no nah, no he hasn't joined I I invited him but if he if he joins he joins if he doesn't he doesn't um, but if he if he pops back in, it's going to be good. But I'm kind of just thinking, Salim. I'm literally just there thinking like Antonio Conte has actually been a proven man of improving individual players and individual systems, and just adapting quickly because he can speak fluent English. is perfectly fine with that. He can improve players who have been playing out of position or in different positions to play the best way possible. Because the the reason I quite like Antonio Conte is when you look at um, the Italian side in the summer. A lot of them were in that, um, Inter Milan side as well. And one of the players yeah. that I felt like was Barella. Yeah, yeah. He's still doing really good for them this season as well, which is fantastic um, for yeah. Inter Milan and for Italy. And they won the Euros and, and they were great, realistically speaking. But Antonio Conte changed uh, Barella from like a standard centre midfield to kind of beating Christian Eriksen and Vidal out of that centre midfield in that 3-5-2. And he made Romelu Lukaku someone quite special in that Italian league as well. And they won the Serie A. Uh, breaking Juventus' dominance for the last nine, ten years, I think they had before.
1: Yeah. Um, uh,
0: Inter Milan won as well, which is crazy. Because with Antonio Conte, I know you may play a 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 system, but even if we were to do it it's kind of like Chelsea in 2017, having two wingers, like Rashford and Sancho on the wing and Ronaldo in the middle, and then having five at the back and then two in midfield, like a Matic and a Pogba or Matic or Fernandez, it would work. I really believe it would work and I really think it would be something where you don't just cram all of your best players into that starting level, kind of like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is doing now, kind of just like with all the sweets in the, in the sweet shop, basically. We're kind of moderate, moderating it for the best event of the team, for the best system. But that's kind of how I would see it because my personal opinion, like I said, I wanted Luis Enrique as the next manager as Man United, but clearly he's not going to last um, as long as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the job from what we can see because... Luis Enrique will probably stay there until Spain qualify for the World Cup. And then they've got 2022 in Qatar as well. But in terms of Manchester United, that's kind of how I kind of wanted to just discuss about today. We don't look like we're going to win anything this season. We don't look like we're going to change our way of playing. And gonna Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't look like he's going to change um, the way he's playing as well, which is quite sad because when you have someone like Cristiano Ronaldo on your side and people are so happy about going to watch Man United. Like me, I was really happy to watch Man United this season. Uh, we've... We've seen a couple of games where he's won it in the last minute as well. So it's been great. But um, the reality kind of hits. You're kind of there thinking, if this is what Man United like is not if this is what Man United is like now, what else can we kind of expect besides a couple of good games here and there? It's like a mid table mentality as opposed to a championship mentality that we should be having. Um but yeah, that's kind of the difference between having a good coach and having a bad coach. And there's not really much coaching I can see from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. and from the coaching staff, I should say as well. Like you, you want to see more, but we just don't, unfortunately. Ah, that's my little um, complaint of the week. Over. I mean,
1: the thing is, like, if you don't so, well, if United don't like address the problem soon, it's just going to get worse, and you're just going to end up, you know, like a mid-table team, and then it's just going to become more tough because you're going to lose out on, you know, Champions League football, and then you're going to lose sponsorship money, and it's just going to be harder to bounce back after that.
0: And um, see players leaving as well, like we've seen in the- Yeah,
1: and like players aren't going to want to join, and you know, you know how it goes after that. You, you just like look at Arsenal, for example. You want to become the next Arsenal, like, and you know it can happen. It, well, it's happened to them, for example. But it can happen, and it's not something that you would want to happen to your club. But it just depends. Now, can can you still attract like a big name manager? We can say Conte, we can say Pochettino, we can say these big names all day long. But if they don't want to join, then. What what good is it us even talking about them?
0: Yeah, like at this point in time, I think they'd want to join because they've still got the attraction of Champions League football. There's still the fight for the top four and there's still time for them having a two, three-year deal and probably managing Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba before they look to potentially leave if the team does go downhill. But if it was yeah. like a year or two after, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is still in the job and we're still not doing any good, then you can kind of think, do I want to take over a mid-level Manchester United side or a mediocre Manchester United side with some of these players that are p- getting paid way too much for doing yeah. mediocre performances week in week out, they yeah. probably wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't want to go and manage that, which isn't which isn't the best of feelings, really. Um, but yeah,
1: as a I mean, man it, it's, fan, it's, it's still like an appeal. It's look, any job in the Premier League, yeah, bar like probably Norwich or something, is always going to be an appealing job mm. because you know, well, there's only twenty jobs you can get in the Premier League, and you know, a lot of them are you know, quite solid jobs like Man City, Liverpool, for example, maybe Chelsea as well now, you know. So in that sense, like if a job does come up and you're you're a manager that's always want to manage in the Prem or you want the opportunity, you take it. Like Ancelotti took the Everton job, which is a a massive shock. But when you come to think of it, there aren't many like Premier League jobs that do become available that readily.
2: Mm -hmm. So like even
1: if, if Everton could attract Ancelotti, you know, what's stopping United from getting in? himself sort of big name, and the other thing that I always do say is that if it, the thing about Oli is that if he was to get sacked tomorrow, which other team would uh, you know, you know, go after him in that way? He's not like a pep that if he got sacked tomorrow, that you know, there'd be loads of clubs queuing up for him. If if Oli got sacked, his next job would probably be at Cardiff or something.
2: Yeah,
0: mid-table championship, lower league, a different country, maybe. It's crazy to think like that as well, but it's it's kind of like you just said. The big clubs, the bigger clubs, have got secure managers minus Ole and Solskjaer, which is crazy. And then you look at the other teams, like top four down to middle, and then Nuno's not really safe. Arteta may be in there for a long run, but you can still replace him. Uh, Brendan Rodgers looks like a safe unless someone wants to like, take him away, like in Newcastle or maybe an Arsenal or Liverpool, if, for example, someone did leave. But like you just said, it's mostly like if there was a job to be available, you have five, six candidates. Who want to take the job because they've been working all their lives for um, this kind of moment, really? But I don't think he would leave PSG at the moment. Ten Hag, don't think he'd probably want to leave Ajax because they're playing amazing football right now. And it's his kind of baby that is kind of just developed, which is great. But people like Conte, the Dan, if he's interested, and Enrique, if he's interested as well, the options are open, and you can play a different style of football to what we are kind of watching now, when you don't really see a proper style of football in, in this type of Manchester United side. Um But realistically speaking, Salim, how do you kind of see um Man United kind of going over the next week or so? Do you reckon they can win against Man City? Do you reckon they can win against Spurs? Do you reckon they can beat Atalanta? Do you reckon it's going to be something where it's just looking high and dry that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to be uh, walking out of that door?
1: I think Spurs is the chance for you to get a win. Um, But then again, like knowing Spurs, it'd probably be the day that Kane actually turns up or Son turns up and they get a couple of goals. Um, Man City you know you've beaten them before under Solskjaer but this time I don't know I could, obviously I could be wrong but I just feel like you've got no chance they're going to have like 70% possession and just going to dominate the whole game
0: Yeah and that's at Old Trafford as well and they've done that previously for two I think two or three games I think at Old Trafford and two of them they won in the Carabao Cup as well one of them was a 0-0 a draw last season as well which which wasn't the best of results but you're kind of looking at it thinking that's probably why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer went for these really defensive looking sides. But he played the similar type of side last season to Liverpool and he lost 4-2 to them at home, which got swept under the rug because it was the end of the season, which wasn't great, but...
1: And I, and I think after that... that, sorry, after that, have you got I think you've got Villarreal as well and then is it Chelsea and Arsenal as well you've got in the run?
0: Yeah, we've got Villarreal away, then we've got Watford away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home, and then the um, uh, Christmas period is coming up as well. So we've got young boys and then a couple of other smaller teams, but still teams that are doing pretty well. Like Brighton's one of them that we'll be facing.
1: Yeah, Brighton's another one.
0: There are a good teams to be facing as well. But I think, like they said, if they're, if they're going to sack him, they'll sack him during the international break in November and they'll get a new nice. manager in who will want to actually just focus properly on making this team a solid team and a more successful team. But let's see if it happens. Let's see if it doesn't happen. Um, We can uh, review. Let's go through that. We'll go uh, game by game. Arsenal versus Leicester. So it's at the King Power Stadium. This is an odd one because I think with Leicester's style of play, I think Leicester should walk all over Arsenal. But Arsenal have been doing decent recently as well. Um, Won in the League Cup uh, since Leeds yesterday. So that would have been quite fun to see. But Arsenal is still a bit of a hit and miss this season. Obviously, they're on the same kind of points as Man United, but they've come back from their poor start in the relegation zone to really kind
1: of just focus up
0: and some of their new players are settling in pretty well. How do you see Leicester versus Arsenal going, Salim?
1: I think um, uh, Leicester are starting to find their feet again in the Prem. So for me, it's a Leicester win. Arsenal have been looking good. They played really well against us in that first half last week, but that was more sort of down to us than it was to them, really. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe is a quality player. I've said it sort of uh, since last season, somebody that I did want us to sign. But yeah, I think think Leicester will take it 2-0.
0: Do you reckon that Smith-Rowe will be due in England call-ups given the
1: amount of I games think he should maybe. be. I think he should be there instead of, you know, Sancho or Grealish or somebody.
0: Yeah, because they're kind of just um, biding on their reputation being in the squads and everything. And he's actually the one putting in the performances as well for Arsenal. Which is but good that's
1: team. the thing, because the one thing Southgate, I know Irish is probably going to get angry at me saying this, but the thing is, he said when he sort of took the job, he'd pick players on merit and not on A, who they play for and B, on reputation. But he's not done that at all since his you know, had the job, so... One back yeah, on word, really, if anything. Yeah, blatantly, there's so many players that are playing well and they're not getting called up and you've got people in the squad that don't even deserve to be there, you know, Sancho's an example, Grealish, you know, is sort of not performed that well, sort of contribution-wise. Lingard, you know, had a really good end to this season last year and, you know, the list sort of goes on, but it's just, it's unfair on players, but that's just how Southgate keeps it, I guess.
0: I mean, what more what, what can you you kind of do, really? Because you're kind of looking at even some players like um, Fikero Tomori, who's done really well in uh, AC Milan in the Champions League and in Serie A there and Beaton as well. And he got a, yeah. a couple of minutes against Andorra. But the England media team were like, oh, yeah, let's hype up the skills and goals against Andorra. Like, it's the biggest thing ever. And then when he play a decent side like Hungary, we drew at Wembley 1-1, I think. But it's just the fact that some of these players were actually playing really good and really informed. They kind of have their confidence kind of broken in a way when they play for England because they're playing against minnows and they're just kind of playing like a pre season type of game because they're not really competitive, are they? And then when the actual competitive game comes along, they don't even get any game time. So you could just kind of, they're thinking, is it kind of worth going into the England setup this early before the World Cup? Or are you going to like do one of those old things where you just fake an injury and be like, oh yeah, I can't make it into the squad this week?
1: That's the thing. I mean, we've got Matty Cash, who, you know, in my opinion, did deserve a call up and now he's ended up uh you know with his dual nationality and he's opted to play for Poland and you know yeah, good luck him I hope I hope he does well then we've got um Ezri Konsa another one who you know should be one of the first names in that England team sheet on form in my opinion he's had a solid two seasons you know being one of the best English defenders there but just doesn't get that recognition he deserves so he's another one and you know if, if he opts to play for Portugal and fair play he'll be playing alongside Rubén Diaz or even Pepe, however, you know, the system goes and, you know, good luck to him there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And even looking at um, Burnley versus Brentford, which is the next game, Ivan Tony had an amazing season last season, um, goal scoring wise as well. And he never got uh, consideration at the beginning of the season when it was back to the international campaign. But he hasn't had the best of scoring form so far this season, Salim. But he's still been doing really well in some of these games, as like the team player, the kind of guy that holds the ball up, up front. And especially when you're seeing their long throws and their set pieces, the target man trying to bring other players into play as well, winning second balls and everything. But Burnley versus Southampton was a game we mentioned last week as the most boring game on the, on the sheet. But 2-2 two, two is quite entertaining, actually. Uh, Brojo scored and Cornet scored twice as well. Yeah, you
1: call that Brojo would score, actually. Mm.
0: I, I did say it could be a, it could be a, a jinx from us where we end up saying it's the most boring game on paper. It was actually quite entertaining. It was quite entertaining. But I think Brentford will win this game against Burnley. It's tough more... I think it will be fun to see these two uh, tactics from Thomas Frank and Sean Dyche collide as well because I really, realistically think Brentford will stay up. They look quite comfortable in the Premier League at the moment. And Burnley, Burnley or just Burnley, but I reckon Brentford with the way that they're playing so far, they should be a good match with this Burnley side and probably even best them. How do you think this game will go?
1: Yeah, definitely. I sort of agree with you on that. I, I think this might be the year that Burnley go down. I mean, that Maxwell corner, he, he looks quite good, but he's probably another one that's going to get snapped up by another Prem team. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, the way Brentford you know, have been playing has been amazing as well. And I think they will definitely stay up, in my opinion. And, you know, they've got a really good team, good style of play. And it's just been, you know, sort of a uh, interesting team to watch this season.
0: Yeah, I agree. And especially with Burnley, they're still on four points. They're still in the bottom three and it doesn't look like it could change anytime soon with the amount of games coming up as well for Burnley. Um, that will be a way as well. It should be crazy to see, but I think Brentford will stay up and I think they'll beat Burnley this weekend. Liverpool versus Brighton Hove Albion. Brighton Hove Albion had a couple of big games recently. They've had that Man City game as well. They had a, I think it was a game against Arsenal, I think. They drew 0-0 or they drew in that game. So it's going to be good to see how Brighton do on a three o'clock against Liverpool at Anfield. But I think Liverpool are just unstoppable at this moment in time. That game against Atletico Madrid, especially when they were actually challenged by a half decent team with a team with a very good uh, manager and a good way of setting up as well. uh mm. That red card was a bit harsh on Griezmann, but that's the way of the game at the moment. But Mohamed Salah is just the man on fire right now. Is the one kind of just just ruling the Premier League I would say at the moment they may not be top of the league or they may be but Mohamed Salah is the player on form right now and I think it will be another one where I'll put Mohamed Salah as captain maybe even triple captain um, for this game against Brighton and Hove Albion but they're playing some luxury football Liverpool and like you said they barely got out of second gear against Manchester United but how do you see Liverpool versus Brighton and Hove Albion going Salah?
1: Um, I mean I I probably see Mo Salah the best player in the world at this moment in time that's the first thing I'd say. No, I agree. Um, Brighton, have, Brighton have looked good this season. I can't take anything away from them. I, I did mention a lot last year that the XG was, I think, four fights or something at some point in the prem, and then they just couldn't convert chances. But they've looked a lot better this season in terms of results. So the performance was always there, but the results weren't there to match. Yeah. Liverpool look like they've come back. You know, last season, everyone knew it was going to be tough for them. So the hangover from all those, you know, high pressing football they played for the last three, four years and obviously injuries to key players. And other issues that they did face but they, they do look at their best you know everyone's firing Mane didn't even start against United for example they sort of had Fabinho didn't play either and Konate played so it just shows that they're a lot more you know rotation is working a lot better for them this season even after losing Wijnaldum who was quite important to them I think that they're back you know they're back and they're ready they're going to challenge for the title definitely it's going to be an interesting title race I said from before they didn't even get out of second gear against United I was surprised they didn't you know, just just go all out and try to get ten goal, ten nil or something, which I think they could have done. Yeah, uh, I thought they could. Have done considering it. how easy it was for them to just like tear United apart, especially after the red card happened as well, they should have honestly. I I think I personally, if it was me, I would have you know tried to go, try to at least get more because they were just knocking the ball about for fun after that. I think they had eighty percent possession at one point or something. But yeah, for me, it's the Liverpool win. I can see past them. I think Salah's in you know unbelievable form. He might even break the record for sort of consecutive um, games scored in the one that I think Vardy holds at 11 or 12, it was, I think. Yeah, something like that. But 12 yeah. games in a row that he scored in the Premier League, which is insane. Yeah, so what I know is like the, the game that like, could break the record is against Everton. So, I mean, that that's just how it is. That's how it is. Records
0: are there to be broken. But even with Liverpool, in hindsight, it looks like Jurgen Klopp could be disappointed because it's kind of scratching his head thinking we could have won a good 8-9-0 and we could have ended Manchester United once and for all this season completely obliterate them and completely ruin their hopes and dreams for the rest of the season. Like there's little glimmer of hope to just no hope. But the way I see it is Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola and Thomas tuchel they're in for one hell of a season in this Premier League title race as well. And it will go down to the wire. That's my early prediction for this uh, Premier League title race. Still think Chelsea are going to win, um, but Liverpool Man City, they're still going to be on a hell of a run. And the next game to be discussing really is Manchester City versus Crystal Palace. Again, Man City will be playing at home, uh Guardiola versus Vieira, midfield Donny's one versus one, which will be quite good to see. But I think with Crystal Palace, they always put up a fight when they go against Man City. Sometimes they'll end up winning or drawing. Most times they end up losing like five, six nil as well. But with this Vieira side, um, I think something different could happen. They held Arsenal until the ninetieth minute, uh, for that two two draw when they last played um in the Premier League. But Realistically speaking, Manchester City should walk all over them. Their home games are good as Ws, if anything, for Manchester City, besides that Southampton one because of that VAR incident. But realistically speaking, Salem, do you think Pep Guardiola will have any problems against this Crystal Palace?
1: No, but Crystal Palace do have that tendency to pull off quite a shock shock result against Man City. Um, But I mean, obviously now it's Vieira, not Hodgson anymore. Uh, Vieira was quite unlucky against Arsenal in my opinion a few weeks back I was watching that game I think he mm. deserved three points there and you know they sort of you know let it go kind of thing Um, I've not really seen much of Palace I do know they've got some quality players in and yeah for me I can't see past Man City on this one it's going to be I think it'll be a high scoreline. I think it'll be like 4-0, 5-0 you know where sort of everyone just you know, gets in on the act kind of thing. But yeah, I think Bernardo's looked quite good in recent weeks. Somebody that was tipped to be sold in the summer and, you know, he's come back as, you know, back to being one of their key players again.
0: I think Bernardo Silva is someone who has just been underrated for the last couple of years. And especially from him being an out-and-out winger to being a centre-mid, to being kind of a defensive midfielder in a way, because he's not the holding midfielder, but he's kind of defensive because he pre- uh, presses from the front really well, especially that game against Liverpool where he was on on show for the whole world to see and he's actually pressing Henderson um, the other midfielders in there Fabinho as well and he's someone that when you're listening to someone like Gary Neville or Jamie Carrigan they're saying oh why can't these players press for Man United and you look at these big players for Man City pressing Bernardo Silva is the prime example he's not the most athletic he's not, not the most um strong of of midfielders realistically speaking but he'll work his damn socks off and he'll run his boots into the ground as well. And he does that every game and he actually still has that quality and that genius to pull off some goals and assist here and there. And it's kind of got that competition with Phil Foden now. who wants to play in that centre midfield role alongside the likes of Gundogan and De Bruyne and Rodri as well. So he's just kind of, like you said, kind of fighting for his career and for his position at Manchester City as well. But yeah, I think it'll be a Manchester City easy win. Conor Gallagher is someone who I've been very impressed with for, uh, for Crystal Palace this season. Someone on loan from Chelsea and Chelsea, yeah, that's it. yeah. And speaking of Chelsea, I was saying to my uh, lecturer today, I was like, do, "Do you think Chelsea have the best academy in the country at the moment?" And in terms of like the first team players coming through, especially the game against them, um, they play yesterday Southampton in the League Cup. Some of their graduates that have come yeah. through and they're in the England starting lineup. Let alone the Chelsea starting lineup is insane because you're there thinking. Oh, yeah, Man United you know, have Greenwood and Rashford coming through. Arsenal of these players, Saka and Smith-Rowe, coming through. Manchester City Phil Foden. But Chelsea, the quality and the quantity of it coming through. A couple of them went to um, Italy, obviously. A couple of them still in the first team. Still on the bench as well. But people like Loftus-Cheek, you've got Mount, you've got Sammy um, Abraham in Italy as well. And Reese James, who's got the winning penalty yesterday. But Newcastle are playing Chelsea tomorrow. I think Thomas Tuchel will walk all over this team. And it's really worrying to see how they've actually changed from such a defensively set-up team to such a defensively set-up team with an amazing attack. Because they played Norwich last week and they won 7-0 without Werner and Lukaku. Which begs the question, do they need Werner and Lukaku this season if they can have Havertz up front with the other creative players up front, Selling.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I, I get what you mean on that. But for me, it has been quite nice to watch Chelsea. You know, Tuchel needed time to sort of... Get his you know ideas fully across because he came in between a season, and obviously he did win the Champions League and stuff, but he didn't get like a full preseason to sit down and work with his players and get some people that he wanted in as well. But yeah, I mean, they've been they've been good to watch. They've got a good academy. Um, it's good. Um, you know, obviously Gallagher as well, like you know he might have a chance to push through next year. then they've got Billy Gilmore as well, quite a quality player uh, watching him for Scotland. It was really good in the euros against us actually. Yeah, I think for me in um, in this game, it's going to have to be, I think Chelsea would beat Newcastle. I think we're still waiting for the new manager to come in. Whoever it's going to be, I I predicted Fonseca would get the job, but yeah, we're still just waiting on that one.
0: Yeah, it's a waiting game for Newcastle as well. Maybe Newcastle want to pull off a power play and go for someone like Antonio Conte or someone. uh, Even like I said, like you said, Fonseca would be a very good signing for them. And it'd be the first step of their um their the rebuilding process really and um they just need to get someone in with proper ideas and actually try and keep this team up for the for the rest of the season I would say uh Watford versus Southampton so again Southampton I feel like they would cut, score a couple of goals Broja's back on form again Liveramento, another player who's uh, come in 18 years old I think he was from Chelsea as well which yeah. is crazy I think Broger was as well Chelsea all over the place with these loan players, players going out and actually being sold. But I think Watford will win 1-0 against the Southampton team. I think Ben Foster will actually start playing properly in goal. I think it's going to be due one more big season in the Premier League, Ben Foster. And I reckon it will be fun to see how um, they do after their 5-2 drubbing of Everton. That was
1: unexpected, Salen.
0: I was going for an Everton win last week, but 5-2. Away, well, everton were work.
1: ahead everton were ahead too it's, it was just the subs that changed the game and sort of yeah, josh Dennis, King. Was, and josh king but ironically josh king was at everton last season and then obviously went on a free from bournemouth and he got released but it's quite mad how it happened because he was meant to join well he wanted to join united the year before before you got igalo i mean yeah. was that last i remember when that before last. last yeah and you got igalo and he wanted to join united for the the finances weren't right, and Bournemouth weren't letting him go, etc. And then he refused to play for Bournemouth. He had his shirt number taken away, and you know the list goes on. He was somebody that we wanted as well, but yeah, I mean it's quite interesting to see, you know, how that one panned out. It doesn't look good for Rafa. Everton made a good start, but they've looked a bit shaky recently. But um, I don't know. In in this game, um, I think I think Watford do look sort of. I'm not sure actually because obviously Ranieri is there now but Southampton again I think this probably is, is a season that, that I think both these teams are going to be in the relegation battle but I'll probably yeah. just go for a draw draw is yeah. going to be a fair result for me
0: No, no, 1-1, low score and draw again
1: Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. low score draw, 1-1 probably hopefully it'll be very entertaining to watch a
0: match a day that day And the last game on Saturday is Tottenham versus Man United, where we kind of alluded to earlier. I don't think Man United are going to do that well. But Tottenham Hotspur aren't doing that great themselves either. And I think it could be that time where Tottenham can kind of smell blood. And sometimes they actually do turn up in some of these big games, and especially last season when they won 6-1 at uh, Manchester United, at Old Trafford as well. But realistically speaking, I think it will be a 1-0 Manchester United win. I think we're going to kind of get back on track, and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will now, what am I saying? 1-0. We can see goals for fun. It'll be 2-1. It'll be 2-1. We'll concede goals, um, but I think we'll win. Realistically speaking, I think if Aaron Wan-Bissaka has a poor game against Son Heung-Min, it'll be very worrying for him. But Oli Gunnar Solskjaer just considers him undroppable. He considers Maguire undroppable, but a very poor game again against Everton, no, against Leicester and against Liverpool as well, which is very worrying to see. And Luke Shaw, who again, is for me, like I said a couple of weeks ago, still playing on reputation. Alex Tellez isn't um, a slob in any means of in the word as well. He's a very good player. He's got
1: Dallo as well, who I think isn't half a bad player. He played in the Euros as well. I is pretty he's...
0: decent. He can cross the ball in. he can attack a fullback. He's really good. He's just not as good defensively as Aramon Bissaka. But Wan Aaron- Bissaka, as we've kind of discussed in the group and Raheel likes to point out, his positioning is awful. And it's cost us in some of these big games and some of these... Yeah,
1: because really the thing that sort of gets him out is his sort of one v one defending and his pace. You know that he just relies on that every time. But he's yeah. too reactionary. He's not so proactive in you know doing it. So he lingers too much the at the back
0: post as well, which is very worrying for a right back. And if it's someone at Friday Night Football, if you wanted a one on one defender, you get Aaron Wan-Bissaka on that pitch. But if there's someone in the Premier League against Son Heung-min or Lucas Moura, even Harry Kane drifting off to that side. I don't think Aaron Wan-Bissaka would have a would have a really good game against this Tottenham side, and I think it'll be uh, still a, a Man United win, but I think we'll still concede, and I think we'll be very poor um, performance from them both. So I was
1: going to say, for me, like the thing is, any of the sort of teams now, if there's a team that you wanted to play, it's either going to be Norwich or it's going to be Man United because you know what the situation it's in, and and you know that they're sort of down on you know form and they're sort of down the heads of you know, maybe he's lost the dressing room. The heads have definitely dropped that sort of early season vibe and vibrancy has gone. Remember, like, the Leeds game and stuff like that. So, for me, I think, I don't know, Spurs, again, they're quite hit-and-miss team. Like, you know, they are top of the table and then laughing at Arsenal for being last and then they've sort of overtaken them or something or they're, you know, near each other now in the table again. But I think if there was a game for Kane to, you know, come back, step up and get a couple of goals, even a hat-trick or something, it would be it would be this game. And for Nuno (laughs) as well to sort of... I mean, I don't think Nuno's at risk of getting fired yet, but I mean, his position is looking a bit precarious. So if there was a game for him to come back and, you know, sort of set down that, you know, like, I know what I'm doing and I can get results and just give me more time, this would be a game to really set a marker down. So, yeah, for me, it'd be a Spurs win. I think 3-1.
0: 3-1 Spurs. And like you said, if you wanted to assert his dominance on one of the teams in the Premier League, Man United is the best team to do it because they're wounded at the moment and they're bleeding out and no one's really confident in that dressing room. Probably Ronaldo, maybe one or two in their own ability, but not in the team. I wouldn't be confident if I was in that dressing room because I'm not confident as a fan um, of this Manchester United team at this moment. And yeah, Speaking of Norwich, they're playing against Leeds on the Sunday afternoon. Leeds, probably like you just said, They if they wanted to play someone, they'd play against someone like Norwich and Norwich are just giving away three points for fun and goals for fun at the same time, I think it will be a routine Leeds win. They'll get back on track. And I think Norwich really has to pull their socks up because they're looking like one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the Premier League season for as long as I've been born. That Derby side in 2008 was bad, but this Norwich side looks even worse. And you're kind of worried about this team, Salim, because you're kind of thinking, are they just going to be destined for yo-yo-ness like West Brom were once upon a time as well? How do you kind of see it going?
1: I think that this would be a shock result of the weekend. I think Norwich will get something. I think they'll get their first win of the season.
0: Mm. I I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't put that past them. But I think with Leeds as well because they're suffering bad form as well. Anything could go in this game.
2: I just want to Yeah, I I just feel like it'll
1: be like a you know one nil Pou- Timo Puki kind of win. That's what I'm going for. I just feel like Leeds. I've said it before. Leeds was burnt out this season. They're gonna have a tough season this year. Mm. Um. And you know it'll be a season where next year they like, they can bounce back. You know, it's a bit like how Liverpool looked last year and it happened, you know, in the playing this sort of pressing football, I think it's four years of Bielsa as well. So um, I wouldn't say I'm worried about them going down. I don't think they'll go down, but I think it'll be a tough season for them. But this was going to be the shock result of the weekend for me.
0: Relegation battle, I think. Yeah, it could be something where they're lingering around that relegation um, zone for a couple of months as well. This will be probably my entertaining game of the week, Aston Villa versus West Ham United, because every time I look at West Ham United, david Moyes is just playing the right tune for this side really good balance in that side really good wing play um last week against spurs they did very well Mikel antonio had a really good game kurt zuma was especially good as well um against the likes of harry kane and son in that defense and Ogbonna um not bonner who was the left back crespo had a really good game as well sorry but West Ham versus aston villa salem how do you think aston villa will go do you reckon you'll um You'll be able to get at them. Do you reckon you'll be able to break this team in form? How do you see this going for Aston Villa?
1: I think West Ham look amazing at the moment. I think if you think about the turnaround that David Moyes has done, you know, given short space of time, is unbelievable. He spent money as well, we can't deny that, but he spent really wisely and I think he's built a team, you know, they've got a style of play that works. And, you know, I kind of wish they got top four last year. I think they deserved it uh, to an extent. I think that they're, you know, one of the teams to watch this season as well. But for us, I think it's just a matter of gelling and getting the system right. I think we've got some quality players. I think we've improved as a squad. We've got, you know, probably the best academy in the Prem right now. Um, but yeah, for me, obviously, I can't, I'm can't. i not going to bet against my own team. So I'm going to go for like a Villa win. I'm going to go sort of, I'm going to go 2-0 Villa. I don't think we've beaten West Ham since we've been promoted. Um, so yeah, I think t- this is going to be the one that changes it.
0: I think it'll be a 2-2. I think it'll be a big game for Aston Villa, especially being a Sunday 4.30 kickoff as well. In front of the TV cameras, you'll have David Moyes coming in. And uh, David Moyes is someone who his life has literally turned around for the better and, and fair play to him because we mention this every week and we mention how West Ham are doing really well. And you're kind of there thinking, oh, when this when this podcast gets released, are they going to lose this? Uh, and we're going to talk about how bad it's been or how bad the team has been. But so far, so good for David Moyes and full credit to him. Never thought i'd be saying those words and um coming out of my mouth as well but i think it'll be a 2-2 draw i reckon west ham will have a a tough game um against aston villa Preston side as as we all know pressing strikers and it'll be good to see how they combat against that but i think it'll be a 2-2 aston villa versus west ham game and the final game of the weekend is monday first of november wolverhampton wanderers versus everton where i think everton will win Uh, wolverhampton wanderers do look decent in attack the news uh, striker Huang has kind of settled in scoring a couple of goals here and there which has been good again we mentioned Adama Traore at the beginning of the season nothing new from there but I think with Rao Jimenez getting back to full fitness and getting back to full form it'll be good to see how Huang and Jimenez kind of link up together if they do link up together and if they do start together but I think Everton will win this game Richardson's back they did have that really bad game against Watford where they just capitulated but I think Everton will be back on form with a 1-0 or a 2-1 win against Wolverhampton Warriors how do you see that
1: um for me it's probably going to be a draw you know two two decent sides uh, everton sort of fell apart completely the other day forms are look good wolves have looked good but they need to start playing pdents more i think he was amazing when he came on against us yeah. um yeah so it's wolves you know new manager sort of fitting in and stuff and he just needs to adapt to the prem and I don't think they're at risk of going down or anything. It just depends on how well they can perform now and whether they can, you know, push themselves up the table. They see themselves as a top eight team. So, you know, if they can get the best out of the players and get them firing, then yeah, why not? Why can't they do it? But for me, it's just going to be a draw. I think 2-2 for me, to all. Do
0: you reckon you should put Jimenez or Huang in your fantasy football team? Do you reckon they'll be able to keep goals going consistently with the kind of play that they're playing at the moment? Kind of tactics they're playing at the
1: moment, I should say. I don't
2: know because <laughs> it both.
1: depends which one he starts. If you start, will he start both? Will he start one? Then he starts one. Then are you sure you've got the right one in your team? Because you need to be putting players in your team that are playing obviously every week.
0: Yeah, that was a sad thing for me because I would lose. And most teams play with
1: one striker, play. to be honest. So
0: yeah, that's true actually. Because my strikers are Antonio, Ings, and Tony. Tony has been hit and miss this season. He's got a couple of assists. Salah's the one that's getting me points, which is the main thing. Yeah, obviously Salah. Injured, well. So. It's been odd to take him out of the team, but um, I'm quite looking forward to the weekend ahead. It's going to be good to kind of get a relaxing break as well, which will be good. Um, but obviously tomorrow, oh Friday, you're off to Friday Night Football. You're looking forward to going back to playing uh, back in Birmingham.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm planning to be at FNF um, to Friday, sorry. I keep thinking yeah. it's Thursday. Feels I like a no Thursday. We've got no track of days at the moment, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a while since I played. I think last time I played, you played as well. So, um, yeah, it's sad you can't make it, but yeah, it's, you know, FNF. Always excited for it. It's weird, man. Something I used to play every week, so mm. consistently, like, you know, and that was a game that never got cancelled. It was always on, and uh, it was the best way to start.
0: To keep it going, which is the best it was
1: It was the best way. It was honestly the best way to start a weekend. You know, I've mentioned it many times before when I was sort of living in Birmingham. It was mm-hmm. a game I played for maybe two years, three years regularly and I think you played for about a year or so at least.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then the pandemic uh, came and then it was just on and off and then I mean, I mean,
1: we, I'm sure we literally played the last day before lockdown as well, We so yeah, it's, it's sad but, you know, I, I really enjoy it and, you know, hopefully I can get to as many games as I can this year.
0: Yeah, likewise with me as well, like I've committed to that one game a month type thing but... Um, it's just me getting used to being a university student when I've got assignments due left, right, and center. So I'm like, I know for a fact I've got to focus on writing X amount of words and doing all of this kind of research and factual, uh, basing on things on factual evidence, which has been, it's been good for me. But I think it's just one of those things that, you know, the last time I went, like I was coming back from being ill and the fact that I was, I've literally just recovered today. Today I feel right as rain. Well I feel back to normal. Even the last couple of days I've been coughing and sneezing and it's been awful, but it's been good to feel back to normal. Um, I can't wait to be back playing football again I'm going to start playing cricket as well which will be quite good so Vish who's on the podcast is a big cricket fan we've been talking about the Cricket World Cup um, on our group chat as well which has been fun um, at the same time um, but Salim what, what would you recommend for me to get back into fitness do you do anything different wise uh, different fitness wise I should say when you're playing football
2: mm,
1: I mean sometimes when I'm sort of down on fitness I just try to get in as many games as I can and yeah. really put that strain on the body But I don't know for you, if you've not played for a while, like it wouldn't. I mean, I definitely, obviously, I stretch before every game. So I'd say 100% make sure you stretch properly, you know, jog out and stuff like that. And make sure you're prepared because you probably, that's the most likely way to get injured if you don't stretch. Um, The other things I'd say is, you know, recovery is important. So, you know, drinking your water and stuff like that. But I'd say probably your best bet is like you could probably go for like a light jog or even like a walk or something like that. Get the you know, body, it in, the blood pump. Yeah, just even if you just get steps in, uh, it doesn't mean you have to play a full game of football. Like it's worth just going for like a jog or even a walk. But yeah, the best thing is sort of just, you know, just doing training or playing football, really.
0: Yeah, I wanted to go for a hike um, this, uh, this week with my wife, but just, I just wasn't feeling up to it. I was just feel, falling asleep and during the day. I'm like, it's not comfortable for me to do it. But um, any day now, I'll just go for a walk or go for a little run and get the exercise, go and get the blood cum- uh, pumping up as well which will be good. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to being back into exercise mode. I'll be looking forward to um, getting these assignments done. And yeah. ideally speaking, I'll be looking forward to coming to visit you sometimes, even in your new house, which will be quite good.
1: To yeah, see. definitely, man. Anytime.
0: Because I, like I said, when my assignments are done, I'll have some more free time to kind of enjoy with myself and with other people, which is the main thing, really. You don't want to be doing the same thing day out, day in, day out. It gets really boring and really repetitive, which will be No, no, good. definitely. Um. But yeah, thanks for the advice, Salim. I'm going to end the podcast here. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to me to be re- being really sad and stumbling with my words today because when you kind of got a background of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Jose Mourinho and you kind of look at who was the better manager and you've got people in the media saying, oh, Jose Mourinho was finished when he came to Man United. He didn't do well. There's something that Richard Key said recently. He said, how can Ole Gunnar Solskjaer be considered a success? for Gary Neville when Jose Mourinho won um,
2: trophies, yeah. trophies with, with
0: half a team and everyone was laughing at Jose Mourinho when he said second place was a trophy with that team because when you're looking at the team in 2018 compared to the team now it's uh, it's galaxies away which is crazy but everyone thanks for helping me get through this this podcast Salem it's always good to see you Vish thanks for joining I have joined for a minute then he dipped um, but it is what it is uh, hopefully we'll get to do a podcast soon where
2: we're all together That'd be quite fun. Thanks for listening. Take care and goodbye.